Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. This is BRN Weekly for Saturday, February 17th, 2024. And our top story today, a roller coaster ride for markets amid new economic data. Joining me now to help break it all down, Jane King is a financial journalist joining us from the NASDAQ. Jane, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Morning. Great to be here again. Uh, Jane, I don't know if you have recalled Disney World and it's probably been it's been a while for me but there was Space Mountain great yes. roller coaster and I will tell you that you and the audience it was my first and last roller coaster my dad will tell you I spent the time in the car cart while it was going around I was petrified but this week was a roller coaster ride for yes. the markets this week tell us about it yeah we really haven't seen a week like this in a while since last year Um, But uh, yeah, we had a huge drop on Tuesday when inflation numbers came out hotter than expected. So Tuesday was consumer prices. And then today uh, we got producer prices and those also were hotter than expected. So the question is, has inflation like has shifted into high gear again or is this a one off and January is kind of a weird number? We don't know. Uh, The markets took it very hard on Tuesday. Not as hard today, so we'll see. But um, if this is something that we see a couple of months of this, this is going to be very problematic for the economy and for the stock market and the Federal Reserve. Yeah, I, and everything is is predicated on rate cuts. We talked about it last week with you and Christina Hooper of Invesco, and I thought it was a really interesting conversation. You guys are phenomenal. Um, but, you know, we've got war in the Middle East or some level of regional war. It's not really a huge war yet, but it's a, it's a war. Uh, there have been attacks on shipping, so that has impact on shipping, and people have to go a different direction around uh, the planet to deliver to deliver goods. So all that, I guess, Jane is really contributing. Um, you know, is it? I guess, I guess, all bets are off, and we need the eight ball to kind of figure out what's going to happen if, in uh, February, February's numbers, and into March. We only knew. Um, so, and it was different things. So, like the producer prices. Capital equipment investment was one of the things that stood out. I haven't got a chance to really kind of dissect the report, but then the consumer number was medical costs and car insurance, which is up 26% yeah. over the past year. Some food items were up as well. So there are different things that are going up for different reasons. I mean, car insurance, they're blaming weather and theft. Um, there's a, been a lot of car thefts and um, you know, different cities or, you know, not uh, their police are operating a little differently than they used to. So all that is uh, contributing to the increases that we've seen in car insurance and food, various, you know, weather, I mean, always plays. So it's like the, all these things are kind of coming together, this perfect storm and driving some prices higher. Yeah. Anecdotally, I'll tell you, people are not very good drivers. <laughs> uh, a lot of people here in Charlotte, I, I, I don't know if it's a Charlotte thing or a North Carolina thing, but I don't see a lot of signals. And <laughs> You know, all seriousness, I think I do think when you look at the NTSA numbers, the safety numbers, there have been far more accidents. So people need to put down the phone, not don't text hands at 10 and two. Maybe that'll help drive down uh, the insurance pool. Last question, Jane, I want to ask you about Bitcoin. Uh, We really haven't talked too much about the Bitcoin ETF, but Bitcoin last I saw was at like 52,000. And, you know, I think it's hard for people, myself included, to understand what a Bitcoin is and the blockchain and what that really means. But it seems like this ETF uh, thing, because you had Grayscale and BlackRock and everybody and their mother, Invesco, launching uh, ETFs, yeah. that's done pretty well for Bitcoin and drive, driven up demand. 
It has. I mean, so what it does, so if somebody's interested in owning some Bitcoin, they don't have to open a Coinbase or another cryptocurrency exchange account. They can buy these ETFs. And so it really just opened it up to more people to invest in Bitcoin, which would drive the price up. So there's also a halving that's coming up. That's when they start to have the amount of Bitcoin that's out there. But, um, you know, people like it. They feel like it's an alternative to gold. Um, some people like it because they feel it's an alternative to governments that are spending too much money and way in debt. And this is a currency that can be global. And it's been very interesting to watch this because it's a whole new asset class and potentially could be a new financial system. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I just oftentimes, you know, I'm, you know, being ignorant of how it works. I'm, th I'm reminded of the Thai beanie baby, baby craze. You remember that? Uh, yes. People were buying the Thai beanie babies thinking that was going to be some type of expensive commodity. They had all these, and, and before that, Cabbage Patch dolls. And, and where did that, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I do remember that. I was a little too young to think, understand the economics behind it. So, but um, yeah, I mean, you get in these weird things, but Bitcoin's been around for, well, let's see, what was it, 2009? So it was during the financial crisis. So it has been around for a while yeah. and it's still its value. Yeah, I don't want to, uh, I'm not trying to shade cryptocurrency, but I, I did find an interesting change just to kind of end on this, get your reaction to this, that I think the Department of Energy now is tracking the mining energy expenditure as well as AI expenditure. So those things are great in one way, but when it comes to mining Bitcoin, and again, we'll have to have someone who knows the mining what that really means, because I, I, you know, there's no Snow White, you know, going into mining no, Bitcoin. No, it's all computers like programs. But it, but but that energy is something that is being monitored, and I know the cryptocurrency industry and and artificial intelligence industries are fighting that. That's true. I mean, they're huge. Both of them, uh, both users of power and AI water as well to run all these data centers. So um, there's some environmental issues about this technology that's coming our way as well. Yeah, absolutely. We're so dependent on servers. I mean, everything. Look, you and I are talking. You're in New York. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I mean, you, this couldn't be done with all those without all those computers. Jane King, it's right. always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll see you again soon. Okay. I think you're off next week, right? I am off. Taking my son on a couple college trips. So right. well, we'll let us let us weeks. let us know how that goes. And wishing you I the will. best for the weekend. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Okay. Thanks, Jane. Always great to see you. Get your analysis. Wishing you a wonderful rest of the weekend. We come back, we'll take a look at some of our best segments for the week. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN Weekly. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 
33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. It was another great week of great topics. And of course, always great guests. We kicked off the week with a discussion about meeting your new team member, Generative AI. Let's take a look. Oh, well, uh, I think it's going to be the new integral part of the employment of the future. And I think that, and actually we're seeing it today. So I know that companies are developing strategies around how they can use generative AI in their organization, in their strategy, in their value um, realization and out to their customers. And so there's so much to think about as they transition their strategy to integrate this amazing and ever-changing technology um, into their environments. It is. And I think uh, it can speak to many different avenues within a company. So we can look at it certainly from the end user, the customer's perspective. How can we enhance our ability to communicate with them, uh, create a much richer experience? Uh, one of the clients that we worked with um, worked very diligently on that, um, implementing it in their digital experience when they're talking with customers um, and not only answering questions, but also listening to how they're responding um, different ways to upsell and cross-sell some of their services. And they've experienced an uptick in both customer satisfaction and sales because of that. And I think from the employee side of it, there's many different ways that you're going to see this implemented, one of which is around data and analytics. So how are we looking at the data? What data do we have access to? How are we divvying out that data and deciding what pieces of it are going to be relevant to the business question that we're asking? And then creating the analysis that comes out of that, generating the output from the Gen AI, and then looking at it from a critical lens and saying, is this valid? Um, is it ethical? Are we using it correctly? Does this make sense for the business Then the question that we're trying to answer? And then being able to confidently take that information to leadership once the analysis is done, and then leadership can make better data-driven decisions rather than based on a feeling or, you know, just instinct. I think, uh, I think it matches the change curve that we talk a lot about of you start with kind of your fear and your anxiety, but I think as you learn more, the ability to find those principles of how you want to use Gen AI and how it applies in your business help to make that um, easier and make that change and adoption easier for the organization. So as you're thinking about trust in data, how do you create platforms within an organization to build the trust in the data that's coming out? How do you actually inform your employee base that as we implement Gen AI, you're going to get to spend more time in customers. We're going to redistribute what is sometimes tactical day-to-day -day work to allow you to actually take on more strategic work in the organization. So we're not going to, we're going to replace some of your job duties, but we may not replace you as an individual. And so I think that as people start to get past that curve, and then as you think about the growth that this enables for an organization that, as Kate was mentioning, your sales growth, you know, within sales and commercial, 
um, your ability to have a more efficient supply chain, you're creating opportunities for employee employees that you hadn't in the past, or you're creating that opportunity for the customer that you haven't in the past. So a retailer in a store might have more time to spend with a customer on customer service than actually doing a cycle count in the store. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to redistribute that work, but there's a lot of discussion, change management, engagement that's going to go along with make people feel comfortable that this is kind of the new evolution of how work um, gets done and how value is created at the organization. And I think that's a really great point. And one of the things that goes on top of that is as you're telling the story, you're creating that vision, the case for change across the organization, and you're sharing that journey of what's going to be happening. It's how do I create a positive impact here? How do I create some positivity and decrease some of the fear that we've seen? Um, and one of the ways we can do that is by talking about capacity creation. So this is truly going to be a co-pilot. This can't run on its own. Um, it can do the research faster. It can go out and grab the data more, more quickly, but it's not going to replace the fuzzy logic, so to speak, which is an old term, but it's still true in terms of, I need to make sure that this makes sense. You know, it's the judgment factor. And by doing that, we're giving humans a, a, an ability to get rid of some of those more admin type tasks. It's the research, it's the going out and finding the information versus I can now take that information, digest it much more quickly because there's some analysis that's been done. And then when I go and talk to my clients, the conversation is richer because I know more. I've been able to have something, you know, do that information, research that information for me so that when I'm talking to you, I know a lot more. I know kind of what you're thinking. I can think about, you know, what you've looked at in the past. There's so many different avenues to look at from a big data standpoint that can make your customer interactions from the human side much more rich. Um, I also think that it's going to make that human interaction more critical, more important, because there may be less of them. So how do we make those moments matter? How do we make them count more? And I think that's another place where employees can start to see the opportunities rather than just the fear and probably some misinterpretation about it. Next up, we dug into why food prices, especially those of fast food restaurants, are so high. Let's take a look. Yeah, well, you know, I think my first reaction is, you know, costs are higher, prices are higher. And in fact, you know, like you said, you know, sometimes you go to, to a place and prices are shockingly high, uh, particularly if you don't go very often and you remember what it used to be. <laughs> then I think we're all been in for a pretty rude shock, I think. Uh, and as you notice, you know, that uh, $18 McDonald's or uh, 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 Big Mac meal, uh, at that one uh, McDonald's location, that's pretty shockingly high. And, and uh, you know, how do you go there with your family if that's what the price is? It's pretty, pretty tough, I think. Well, we certainly see wages that are going up and, and across, across the entire economy. Uh, and we certainly see uh, even where some states have passed laws to increase their minimum wage. Uh, yet sometimes those minimum wage laws, by the time those have been passed, actual minimum wages at at places, restaurants and all, are actually higher than that already. Uh, and so we might question, you know, what's actually going on there. But certainly that becomes a, 
something easy to cite or note in as as we look into you know why are costs higher? Certainly, labor costs are higher, and you know, but you know one of the things I always try to remind myself, you know, certainly that's a significant portion of costs you know, of delivering an item. Uh, but I also try to remind myself that higher wages are also somebody who's working there making more money, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but if we're looking at the cost of this item, costs are higher than they used to be. Right. Uh, so that's it, certainly part of it. And that's a significant portion of the total cost of, say, that hamburger. Uh, and in fact, many times the underlying agricultural commodity price, the beef, the the wheat into the the bun uh many times those are a very small percent of the total cost and so we often see those cited as well commodity prices are higher they may be but they typically that's a very small portion of what the overall cost is the building keeping the lights on uh you know everything else associated with that are typically larger than that underlying commodity well, I think it does, but what it really does is transfer the cost from labor to, you know, to use the old economist term, to capital. So what I've done is I've invested money in these, whether it's robotics or automation, these things, that's a, it's still costly. There's still a set of costs. And, and as labor costs go up, these other uh, things, automation, uh, become more cost competitive. I, you know, and I think another big part of that is not, is, is not, necessarily the labor cost, but it's just their uh, availability, the uh, reliability of labor. And, you know, it's nothing new that we've often talked about a really a shortage of workers, a shortage of labor in the U.S. in a lot of industries. And that's that's nothing new since the pandemic. Uh, and so as we have a shorter, uh, excuse me, a shortage of workers where we can't get workers, uh, simply because they aren't there, uh, you know, what do we do? Well, we other automation, whatever, becomes a more effective alternative. And so we see more of that. The kiosk, the the app uh, with a lot, I mean, so many places you can order your stuff on the app and you just pop in and pick it up. You yeah. know, another thing's even in the back of, of fast food restaurants, you know, you, you, know, you might watch them take take a big cup and they press the big cup button, you know, and, and it automatically fills it to the proper level for the size of drink you've ordered. And so, you know, all of those things work to uh, try to alleviate really a tight labor market. You know, higher wages, higher total compensation does attract people into the labor market. Uh, and and that's that's sort of how markets work too. Is if I, I want to attract more in, I, I and, and they're not there now. I gotta pay them more, yeah. or I gotta compete with another business to bid those workers away from them. And so in this overall labor market, we we see all of that at work. You know, particularly if let's say you're gonna build a new location, land costs are higher, uh, construction costs are higher, uh, all of those things, and putting that you know, that building there, making the product, delivering it to the customer who walks in the door, all of those costs are higher. Uh, and, and, you know, too, with higher interest rates, uh, those affect all of those costs as well. Because, you know, I would probably argue that plenty of businesses have to borrow money, uh, whether it's long-term borrowing uh, for the building and things like that, or short-term operating. Uh, 
costs are higher in that regard too. And so as costs go up, you know, they've got to try to figure out how can I price this product where customers will still come in and buy it, yet I can create a profitable business or continue a profitable business. And so all of that works to, to raise those prices that we see. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Weekly. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, then drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, all in one place, then check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRN Sunday. I'll be joined by the Legal Eagles and Oliver Rennick of the Schwab Network as we break down all the news and events and provide a lot of color and analysis. You're not going to want to miss it. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. Don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.